0: Welcome to episode two of the Strength Matrix Podcast. My name is Josh Settlidge. I am the BJJ Strength Coach. And today we're gonna be talking about my favorite strength building exercises for grapplers and why you should be doing them and how it's going to help you get stronger on the mat so you can win more matches and get injured less. But before we dive into it, this episode, like every episode, is brought to you by strengthmatrix.com And at strengthmatrix.com we have a free four-week strength program we'd like to send you. If you just click the link in the description of this podcast episode, you'll be able to download that training program for free my goal this year is to help 1000 grappling athletes win more matches and get injured less and to be able to do that you guys need some sound structured specific training programs that were carefully designed for grappling athletes by a grappling athlete aka your boy um so if you want that free four-week strength program you guys can download that by clicking the link in the description below and let's go and dive into it my favorite strength building exercises for grapplers Uh, Just a little background on me, I've been lifting seriously since I was 12 years old. So it's uh, in April, it's going to be 13 years of me lifting, which means in April, I will have been lifting longer, over half my life, (laughs) I was getting kind of confused on how I would how I would say that. But anyways, that being said. I've tried a lot of different exercises. I've tried a lot of different training methods. I've trained with world record holding power lifters. I've trained with uh, people that you would that are just genetic freaks. I've trained with some of the smartest and most intelligent minds in strength and conditioning and physical rehabilitation, people who have worked with the best MMA jujitsu athletes in the world, people who have worked with different tactical populations. And so I've been blessed to have been exposed to a lot of different, really unique exercises, exercises that are kind of different than what most people would assume. Most people are familiar with the bench press, most people are familiar with bicep curls, most People are familiar with the standard back squat. Um, And so not that I have anything against those exercises. Everybody knows I freaking love getting after some curls, but I've been blessed to have been surrounded by lots of different people in the industry that have also showed me some really unique ways of lifting and showed me some really unique exercises that are actually better suited for grappling athletes. And so I wanted to give you guys my list of my favorite strength-building exercises for grapplers, we're gonna kick things off with one that if any of you have been following me for a while, this shouldn't come as any surprise. But the Zercher box squat. So the Zercher box squat is essentially a squat movement, but instead of having the bar on your back, instead of having the bar uh kind of on your shoulders, like if you're doing a front squat, the bar is actually gonna be in a double underhook position. So imagine you have double underhooks on somebody. You're gonna suplex them or uh, throw them for five. You basically have a double underhook position on the barbell and the box squat portion of it just means that you're gonna sit to a box. So you're gonna squat just like you normally would if the bar was on your back, but you're just gonna sit on a box. And what's really awesome about the Zercher box squat and why I'm a big fan is because one, the squat in my opinion is the king of all exercises. There's hardly any other exercise that has as many benefits of the squat movement the benefit of strengthening your trunk and your core strengthening your lower back strengthening your glutes your hamstrings your posterior chain we're going to be talking a lot about the posterior chain in this episode but in my opinion the squat is the king of all exercises and the Zercher box squat is awesome because there's a couple different things that are going to happen because we're squatting to a box we're actually able to sit back a little bit more to load up more of our posterior chain. If you do a free squat, you can still get a lot of hamstring and glute activation, but your knees have to travel forward a little bit, which means they're also gonna get quite a bit of quad activation. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing free squats. I love free squats, and there's nothing wrong with doing really deep knees over toes squat. I'm a big fan of those too. However, you can't be strong if your posterior chain is weak. And all too often, athletes focus way too much on uh, driving their knees forward, or they have a technical breakdown that causes their knees to shoot forward. And it loads up their quads quite a bit. And they can actually become a very quad dominant athlete. Now you do need strong quads. However, all athletic movements on the mat, whether that's in jujitsu or wrestling, they all generate from the posterior chain, which is the chain of muscles uh, running from your low back down to your hamstrings. So it's your low back, glutes, hips, hamstrings. Uh, Sometimes people like to throw calves in there as well. And so the sitting to a box or squatting on a box allows you to really sit back and focus on loading up your glutes and your hamstrings and so that's partially why i'm such a huge fan of the Zercher box squat is because not only do we have a double underhook position which is very specific to grappling and helps strengthen our upper back we can really sit back uh, to load the posterior chain the Zercher box squat is also a static overcome by dynamic exercise any type of box squat is going to be a static overcome by dynamic so what that means is when you sit down on the box once you're on the box you're in a static position you can't bounce off the box or at least you shouldn't be trying to be Uh, you don't have the stretch reflex that happens how you can kind of like bounce out of the hole in a free squat so you sit to a static position and then you overcome that position by really explosive dynamic movement so you're standing up fast and explosively and what this does is this helps you get strong and explosive from a dead stop position a lot of us know that in wrestling or jiu-jitsu, sometimes you're stuck underneath somebody or sometimes if you're doing MMA, you're stuck up against the cage. You don't have the luxury of being able to kind of bounce out of the hole or being able to get a head start on an explosive movement. You sometimes just from a dead stop, just need to boom and explode right away. And so the Zercher Box squat does a great job of training that ability to be explosive from a dead stop position. Now, when it comes to what box height you should use, I use three different box heights. It's gonna be different for everybody on the actual, how tall the box is in inches or centimeters. But for me, I use a parallel box, I use a slightly above parallel box, and then I use a slightly below parallel box. And for the most part, most of my heavy lifting for the Zercher box squat is done to a parallel box. Every once in a while, if I have an athlete that has some sort of knee complications or knee injuries that we're we're trying to avoid pain i'll have them squat to a slightly above parallel box and then sometimes if we're doing back squats or front squats or uh, if we have a specialty bar like a safety squat bar then that's when we'll use the below parallel box but i'd say about 80 percent of the time we're squatting to a parallel box some good metrics or some good goals for you to hit as a grappling athlete hitting this exercise would be i'd say the base level every grappling athlete should be able to do their body weight on the Zercher box squat Um, a standard that i think would everyone would benefit more from would be work to getting to at least one and a half times body weight that should be a solid goal for you to hit on the Zercher box squat and then if you want to take it to the elite level try to hit 1.75 times body weight. That's gonna be a great standard for you to hit. If you can do 1.7 times body weight, you're pretty freaking strong um, and you're rock solid at that exercise. It's gonna have a great carryover to you as a grappling athlete. So for me, I weigh about 160 pounds. And so if I'm gonna do 160 times 1.75 body weight, that's gonna be about 280. So my best box squat is 285 I believe, is it 285? I think it was 285. Um, So I'm right above that 1.75 mark. This year, I actually have a goal. I'm trying to chase down that 2X Zercher box squat so we'll see we'll see how that goes but that's one of my favorite exercises of all time for grapplers is a zercher box squat the next one is going to be the floor press and we're moving up to the upper body this is kind of like a box squat for the upper body because a floor press is basically a bench press movement except you're laying flat on the floor so you're still going to Bring the bar out just like you would. You're still going to feel it and a little bit in your chest, feel it a little bit in your shoulders and and triceps, and you definitely want to keep your upper back tight, all that good stuff. However, when you bring the bar down, your elbows are going to stop against the floor. So, this is where it turns into like a box squat for the upper body. Again, the floor press is a static overcome by dynamic exercise. What's great about the floor press is that it is a shortened range of motion exercise. So, what we're doing is we're bringing the bar down, but we're actually stopping with our elbows on the floor, which means the bar isn't gonna go all the way down to touch our chest. And grappling athletes oftentimes have a lot of shoulder issues, but you still need to get your heavy strength work in. So if your shoulders are giving you a hard time at the bottom of that bench press position, you can opt for a floor press, shorten the range of motion a little bit, still overload the horizontal pressing movement, still get a lot of strength gains, in that position without necessarily taxing your shoulders in the same way. Eventually, you should be able to do a full bench press pain free, but uh, the floor press is kind of a great intermediary exercise that you can do while you're rehabbing that. Uh, Again, it's it's a static overcome by dynamic exercise. At a base level, everyone should be able to floor press their body weight. At a standard level, I would say you're really well off being able to get 1.25 times body weight. And then an elite level would be one and a half times body weight. If you can floor press one and a half times your body weight, you're rock freaking solid, you're pretty dang strong. And that's going to help you a lot in your, in your grappling, whether that's wrestling or jujitsu. Now, the next exercise is going to be the sumo deadlift. This is our first hip hinge exercise. Sumo, it gets a lot of heat and it gets a lot of uh, criticism for a variety of reasons and one of the biggest criticisms with the sumo deadlift is that well conventional deadlift is the only way you should deadlift because that's how they do it in powerlifting competitions sumo deadlifts is cheating because it's a shortened range of motion sumo deadlifts is more like a squat than it is an actual deadlift so it's really not shouldn't even be called a sumo deadlift all that stuff to be honest is just a bunch of horse crap um Look, we're not powerlifting athletes, so we're not being judged by our ability to conventional deadlift, even though in powerlifting competition, no one cares, or at least the judges don't care if you sumo deadlift. The other thing about um, the sumo deadlift being a shortened range of motion yes, that's true, but at the same time, it also doesn't really matter because we're also engaging and training different muscles than we would be in the conventional deadlift, so that argument's irrelevant. And then Uh, as far as the sumo deadlift being more like a squat than an actual deadlift. There are some very interesting studies out there that show the uh, biomechanics of the conventional deadlift, the sumo deadlift, and the trap bar deadlift. And you would be surprised to know that based off the research and the results of that study, that the sumo deadlift is far more closely aligned with a hip hinge movement than a squat movement. All that being said, The sumo deadlift is an amazing exercise because you are going to have wide feet. So the sumo deadlift is a deadlift where the bar starts on the floor. You have your feet in a wide stance position and your hands are going to be gripping the bar inside your legs. It's awesome because because of that wide stance position, a couple things are going to happen. You're really going to help strengthen your glutes and your hips, which your hips and your glutes are two very important muscle groups, uh, or at least all the muscles that are involved in your hips and then your glutes, which are the big ones. All those muscles are very important for jujitsu and wrestling, you need to be able to use those effectively and efficiently so that you can do a ton of the techniques that are used in wrestling and jujitsu. So the sumo deadlift is great for that. But then also the sumo deadlift, if you can get in a proper sumo deadlift position, that means your mobility is pretty solid, which you definitely need to have adequate mobility for wrestling and jiu-jitsu. And then lastly, because you have a wide stance and you're able to get your hips a little bit closer to the bar and have a more uh, upright chest position, that means you're going to take a little bit of the load off your low back. You're still going to have some load on your low back. There's It's a hip hinge movement. There's really no way to um, eliminate all the load off of your low back. So you still need to brace your trunk tight, you still need to make sure you have a neutral spine, all that good stuff. But you do take a lot of the load off your low back and place it more in your hips and your legs and your glutes, which is awesome. If you're a grappling athlete that's struggling with some back pain or has some lower back issues, the sumo deadlift can be used for max effort work and dynamic effort work, which I'm a big fan of dynamic effort, dynamic effort work with a sumo deadlift. So you can take your sub max so somewhere between like 50 and 70 percent and do speed work with the sumo deadlift you can also load up the sumo deadlift at you know 90 95 percent and do some max effort work for the sumo deadlift which i'm a big fan of and i'm also a big fan of doing double overhand grip sumo deadlifts the guys that i train in the am crew nobody uses a mixed grip we all go double overhand Um, If you're getting up in weight where your grip becomes an issue, then yes, we will hook grip. But for the most part, we're still using a double overhand grip every time. And the main reason being is because we want to make sure we're strengthening our grip as much as possible because having a strong grip is one of the most important things in grappling sports. But then also having a double overhand grip will help eliminate the risk of bicep tears. When you use a mixed grip, the stronger you get and the heavier your, your deadlift gets, the more you risk tearing your bicep. At the same time, if you start to have mobility restrictions, especially in jujitsu and wrestling, where you have a hard time externally rotating your palm, so basically the hand that's going to be facing forwards, the palm that's going to be facing forwards, the harder and tighter your shoulders get if you're not working on mobility, it's going to get more and more difficult to turn that palm out. And when it gets more and more difficult to turn that palm out, that puts so much more strain on the bicep tendon. And that's where you start to see bicep tears happen during those heavy deadlifts. So that being said, just save yourself a trip to the ER and time off the mat and just focus on using a double overhand grip, in my opinion. At a base level, you should be able to deadlift your body weight no problem. A standard level would be double body weight or 2 x body weight. And then um, an elite level would be two and a half times body weight. If you're reaching that two and a half times body weight, that is rock solid. That's pretty freaking strong. Um, That's about as strong as your deadlift needs to be for you to be a freak grappling athlete. Now, the next exercise moving back to the upper body is going to be the Z press. The Z press is essentially an overhead press, except you're going to be sitting on your butt with your legs out in front of you, and you're not going to have any back support. So the regular military press, some people might say like, well, you know, if you're doing the standing military press or the standing overhead press, you don't have back support. So why can't we just do that? And I'm not against the military press or the standing overhead press, but here's the deal. The... Military press because you're standing you're actually able to have a lot more stability because you can kind of screw your feet into the floor You can squeeze your glutes and brace your abs a lot more effectively Which means you're gonna have a lot more stability to press overhead Now the other thing too is that because you have that stability if you have any mobility restrictions in your shoulders and your lats You have a more stable position to arch your back and then press overhead and then the other thing too that I see happen a lot when people are doing standing overhead press, if once the weight starts to get a little heavy, you might see a little bit of a a little bit of a dip there and people might dip and kind of bend at the knees a little bit and then press the weight overhead, which there's a time and place for the push press or the push jerk, but for the most part, we want to keep the movements as strict as we can. So the Z press is my favorite alternative to that because not only are your legs out in front which means you have to have mobile enough hamstrings to sit in that position you need to have strong hip flexors which is very important for your guard game and your wrestling game um, but you also have to really make sure that your trunk is stable and that you're flexing your abs and your obliques in a, a rigid manner so that you can maintain your balance and then if you have any mobility restrictions in the lats or your shoulders, the Z press is going to highlight and reveal those right away. And so one of the best ways you can decrease your risk of injury is making sure that your body is mobile enough for the sport that you're doing. And in this case, it's wrestling and jiu-jitsu, so you do have to have quite a, quite a bit of decent mobility. And the Z press will highlight those mobility restrictions very quickly. You don't have to do the Z press with a barbell. You can do it with dumbbells. You can do it with a kettlebell. Um, you can do it with one arm at a time. You can do it, if you want to get real crazy, you can do the bottom-up kettlebell Z press. I was doing those the other day. Those are pretty fun. A base level would be about 50 to 65% of your body weight to start. A standard level would be 75% of your body weight. And then an elite level would be uh, one, uh, basically one times your body weight or 100% of your body weight. I have one athlete right now, Jared Appenzeller. He's a black belt out of Iowa. He's actually gonna be competing this weekend. Um, By the time you guys listen to this, the competition would have already happened. But this dude has a very strong Z-press. This dude is easily a Z-pressing body weight and more. Um, He's very, very flexible and very mobile. He's a great athlete. It's been awesome working with him. Um, The last competition that he did where we did a training camp together uh, he competed in his weight class and the absolute he had eight total matches with seven submission wins and one decision loss so he's he's just been absolutely killing it so um, if you guys want some z press inspiration you guys you guys can hit up my boy jared Now, still sticking with the upper body, the next exercise that I think every grappling athlete should be incorporating is gonna be the bent over row. The bent over row is freaking awesome because we've already talked about a lot of these big movements, right? We talked about the squat. We talked about the horizontal press. Talked about the hip hinge with the sumo deadlift. We talked about the vertical press for the Z press. Now we're gonna be talking about really focusing on those pulling movements, so specifically the bent over row. I do like barbell bent over rows. I do like kettlebell bent over rows, dumbbell bent over rows, any variation of bent over row that you can do, I'm usually a big fan of. Um, There is quite a big difference between the bent over row and the pendlay row. So the bent over row, the weight doesn't touch the ground between reps. That being said, because the weight doesn't touch the ground between reps, a lot of times people turn this into like a really ugly looking shrug. Guys, make sure that you are bending over at the hips and hip hinging enough so that you can actually uh, engage the muscles of your back. When you're doing the bent over row, you should feel most of the activation happen in your mid back. If you start to feel it too much in your upper back, you might be doing just a really ugly shrug and you may need to lower the weight and adjust your form and technique. That being said, the pendle row, the biggest difference between the bent over row and the pendle row, because they essentially look the same. The pendle row, the weight starts and stops on the ground. That's a really great exercise as well. That one is kind of like a static overcome by dynamic exercise too. Um, I am a fan of pendle rows, but right now we're just gonna talk about the bent over row because the bent over row, when the weights don't touch the ground between reps, It really forces you to brace your abs and your obliques really, really, really hard. You have to maintain that bent over position. You can't break form. You can't break your, the integrity or the structural integrity of your spine. It's awesome. You can use a little bit of body English on these. That's okay. But you definitely don't wanna be uh, doing this herky jerky, throwing your chest down towards the bar as an excuse and calling it a a proper bent over row. A base level would be to do at least one rep at body weight. I weigh 160 pounds or between 155 and 160. So a base standard or a base level for me would be to at least get one good clean rep at 160 pounds. A standard, a good standard, kind of like average middle of the road would be five reps at body weight. And then an elite level would be at least get 10 reps at your body weight. Now we're gonna move on into a different category. All those first five exercises that we talked about were all barbell lifts. And the next category we're gonna do is, is kind of like a hybrid category. These exercises are, they're body weight exercises, but they also can be loaded quite a bit. You can add a lot of weight and get really freaking strong with these. The first one is gonna be the Bulgarian split squat, which I absolutely freaking love there's a couple different reasons why one the bulgarian split squat is a unilateral exercise which means you're using one limb at a time you prop up one leg behind you you're kind of in this lunge position and then you squat down lower your hips uh between your leg out in front that's planted on the ground and then your leg behind you which is supported like up on a bench or a chair something like that. It's a great way to develop the quads and the hamstrings, build that posterior chain, as well as the adductors, which are your groin muscles, and the abductors, which are the muscles outside of your hip that help pull your knees open. Both of those muscles, the adductors, ADD, and abductors, a, B, D. Those are very important and very critical to knee stability and knee health. So, doing movements like the Bulgarian split, split squat is a great way to bulletproof your knees and make that, uh, make this, make all the muscles surrounding the knee joint much more stable uh, and much more resilient. You can do Bulgarian split squats to focus uh, specifically on the quads by driving your knee forward over your toes, or you could really focus on your glutes and hamstrings parts of big parts of your posterior chain by keeping your knee over your ankle i'm a big fan of doing it for the posterior chain you could do the bulgarian split squat pretty heavy for some heavy effort work and you could also do do bulgarian split squat jumps for dynamic effort work this is a great way this kind of brings us to the conversation of body weight versus weighted i would definitely use weighted Bulgarian split squats on my max effort day or my heavy effort day, maybe as like a secondary exercise. So you hit your Zercher box squat for your top set and then you follow it up with some heavy Bulgarian split squats. But if I were to use Bulgarian split squats on a dynamic effort day where we're focusing on speed and explosive power, I would do, say, like a few sets of speed deadlifts and then I would go into body weight Bulgarian split squat jumps, a few sets on either side again this is a great exercise it's very sport specific because it does put you kind of in a similar position that you may find yourself in and wrestling or jujitsu i think sport specific movements there's a time and place for those sometimes people get a little carried away with that and they do like these really silly ridiculous looking like exercises. that's like this is a uh, <laughs> you know this is a weighted butterfly sweep and it's like okay bro there's probably <laughs> some better things we can do here um but I am a big fan of how sport specific the Bulgarian split squat is. Um, the, and last word on the Bulgarian split squat, this is a great exercise for both strength and hypertrophy. I've used this exercise to increase my squat and my deadlift. I've also used this exercise to pack on a ton of muscle in my lower body, specifically in my glutes and hamstrings. When I was doing Bulgarian split squats regularly, um, I did a training cycle where I did six sets of six on Bulgarian split squats, And then I ran that for four weeks. The week after, I did eight sets of eight. And then the week after, I did 10 sets of 10. Oh, my freaking gosh, that was brutal. But I will say my glutes and my hamstrings blew up so much, I couldn't really wear pants anymore because they were all busting at the seams. You know, I was busting, busting, as the kids would say these days. Moving on to the next hybrid exercise is gonna be the Cossack squat. The Cossack squat is basically a sideways squat. So if you think about, if you can picture this in your head, you take a wide stance and instead of squatting down to do a sumo deadlift, imagine you lean your weight all the way over to one side as you squat and you keep the, uh, you squat on one side to keep the opposite leg straight. This is a great movement that you can do both body weight and under load. It's amazing. It's a lateral movement. Again, it's a great exercise for knee stability and knee health because it trains the abductors and adductors. It's a great exercise to improve mobility. It can be part of a warm-up. It can be part of a mobility routine or a mobility workout. And it's a great part of a strength workout. I do cossack squats, heavy sometimes, but I would only do. I would only have very advanced athletes do heavy cossack squats. Most of the time, it's going to be body weight or with light loads so like the most amount of weight someone would use would be like maybe a 10 pound 15 maybe a 25 pound dumbbell um for me when i was doing the heavy Cossack squats i think i maxed it out at like a 60 or uh maybe a 70 pound dumbbell but i didn't i didn't run that for very long i did that for probably three or four weeks and then i rotated new exercises in because uh it was banging me up pretty bad and i was really sore so Cosec squat, great exercise, lateral movement, everyone should be doing the Cossack squat. I don't have for these hybrid exercises, the Bulgarian split squat and the Cossack squat, I don't have specific uh, uh, levels that you should hit, I think you should just mix them in and kind of find what works best for you. However, we're going to be moving on to the bodyweight exercises, my best bodyweight exercises to build strength for grappling sports. These exercises do have some standards to them. And the first one is going to be the pull up. The pull-up is an amazing exercise because it's one of the ultimate tests of body weight strength. Can you fully control your own body weight, be strong with your own body weight, and pull yourself from a fully extended elbow? Guys, if you're doing pull-ups, every rep starts with a fully extended elbow, and then getting your chin all the way over the bar, not your nose, not your eyes over the bar, not your forehead, not the top of your mohawk, get your chin all the way over the bar this is a great exercise for shoulder health and creating shoulder stability it's a major exercise in developing a really big and strong upper back um chin-ups are a great exercise and i'm a big fan of chin-ups however chin-ups are because of the leverages they are a little bit easier than pull-ups so you definitely should be doing both pull-ups and chin-ups but I would create, I created these standards, at least for myself and all of my athletes based off of pull-ups because it is a little bit more of a difficult exercise. So just to address the chin ups, great exercise, do them, but these aren't going to be the standards for chin ups. These are the standards for pull-ups. So at a base level, every grappling athlete, regardless of how much you weigh, what weight class you are, how long you've been doing jujitsu or wrestling, every every grappling athlete should be able to get at least 10 reps if you are if you're a 265 pound heavyweight you should be able to do 10 freaking pull-ups and i'm not kidding i've seen guys do it uh you look at some of the best wrestling athletes like a dude like kyle Snyder. that guy can definitely do more than 10 pull-ups you look at a dude who's even bigger uh bigger than him i'm trying to think of uh some big jiu-jitsu guys that um you look at a guy like uh like Nicky Rod I don't think he's he may be bigger as big or bigger than Kyle Snyder that dude can definitely do more than 10 pull-ups Gordon Ryan can definitely do more than 10 pull-ups being that big especially as a heavyweight and being able to do 10 pull-ups means that your shoulders your wrists your elbows um, and your upper back are all going to be very 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 strong and resilient and and much less likely to be injured Um, I think the at least when I was coaching, one of the big mistakes I made was just kind of letting the heavyweights always do inverted rows, uh, which is a great exercise. Everyone should be doing it, but it almost became a cop out. Like, oh, I'm a big guy, I can't do pull ups, so I'm just gonna go to bent over, or I'm I'm sorry, I'm just gonna go to inverted rows because I can't do pull ups. And I understand the concern, but eventually you need to make sure that your shoulders are healthy enough in that vertical hang position for you to be able to do some solid pull-ups. So at a base minimum, regardless of how heavy you are, what weight class, you should be able to do 10 reps of pull-ups. A standard would be 20 reps. Now, I know for you big boys and uh, big girls, it's gonna be much harder to do 20 reps. So that's why you should at least get 10 and then try to do the best you can from there. But if you're a middleweight or a lightweight grappling athlete, 20 reps, 20 reps, should be the standard for you. Um, If you can do 20 reps, that's a good place for you to start doing weighted pull-ups and add some additional load, but only after you can do 20 reps. If you can't do 20 reps, in my opinion, you don't have the structural integrity of the shoulders. You don't have the strength in your elbows and your biceps uh, and your forearms to be able to get that much benefit from weighted pull-ups. Just keep hammering your bodyweight pull-ups until you're able to reach 20 reps or more. Now, an elite level, this is getting pretty tough. An elite level would be 25 reps or more. Uh, This is pretty hard. And you would think like, well, like, you know, it's just adding an extra five reps. But this is where we really start to see some local muscular endurance come into play. The local muscular endurance of your forearms, the local muscular endurance of your biceps and your upper back. Um, So at an elite level, getting 25 plus pull-ups is freaking awesome uh my boy zach and i are kind of in this race to see who can get to 30 pull-ups first my best set ever which i did at the beginning of the year was 28 his best set ever was 29 uh i weigh about i used to weigh a lot more than zach but now i'm about six pounds heavier than him um so we're basically the same body weight uh so we're having a race to see who can get to 30 and so it should be pretty fun to see who uh closes in on that finish line first the next bodyweight exercise is gonna be dips. This is basically the pressing version of the pull-up. Uh, again, great control of your body weight. You should be able to be strong in that position. It's amazing for shoulder and elbow health. Um, th- there are ways that you can do dips to focus more on your chest, focus more on your front delts, or focus more on your triceps. Whatever way feels best for you to do dips, that's how I think you should do it. Um, I think you should, at least at a minimum, be able to get your shoulders parallel with your elbows, that would be the bottom of the rep, and then the top of the rep would be full lockout at the top. As you become more mobile, and as you become more flexible, you'll be able to dip down a little bit lower into that dip position. Um, But at a bare minimum, at least work on getting your shoulders and elbows parallel with each other. The base level for dips is going to be 10 reps the standard level is going to be 20 reps and then the elite level is going to be 30 reps and so right now i'm still pretty behind on uh on dips i'm at 25 dips for my best set ever at least i I think i could be wrong it's been a while since i've tested that but last time i tested it at the beginning of the year. I was only able to get 25 dips. So I want to close in on that elite level here in a couple months. That's going to be it for the upper body body bodyweight exercises, the pull-up and the dips. And now the bodyweight exercise for the lower body is going to be the Nordic curl. Uh, The Nordic Curl, I've heard about Nordic Curls for years, and I honestly, I'll be honest with you guys, I never really did them until 2021. 2021, when I really started paying attention to Ben Patrick, aka the Knees Over Toes guy, that's when I really started to take into consideration, like, oh, geez, I should be really working on my Nordic Curl. Now, that being said, I did a ton of glute ham raises, which is kind of like a Nordic Curl, but it is a little bit different. It's like a... It's like a in-between Nordic curl, like a beginner's Nordic curl, if you will. And I did a ton of glute ham raises and I was pretty good at glute ham raises, but uh, it took me about a year to be able to do a full Nordic curl where lock my feet in, bring my chest all the way down to the floor and then pull myself up with just my hamstrings. The Nordic curl is essentially the pull-up for the lower body. And it is an amazing developer of your hamstrings because you're, you want your hamstrings to be so strong in wrestling and jiu and not only just so that you can like really squeeze someone in your guard or really crank down on some triangle chokes or be a leg-riding monster with strong hamstrings, but having strong hamstrings is a direct has a direct correlation to your ability to have healthy and pain-free knees. And that's a lot of what the knees-over-toes guy, Ben Patrick, is talking about is like making sure that you're able to do Nordic curls not necessarily so that you can squat more not necessarily so that you could squeeze the life out of people with your triangle chokes but mostly so that you can make sure that your knees are resilient enough and bulletproof enough uh to be safe and not be in chronic pain so the Nordic curl is a great 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 exercise um at a base level every grappling athlete regardless of how big you are regardless of how long you've been grappling Every grappling athlete should at least be able to do one rep of a full Nordic curl. At a standard, it'd be great if everyone could do five reps. That's a really good goal to shoot for. And then at an elite level, seven reps or more would be an elite level. I've only seen a couple people be able to do uh, more than seven reps on Nordic curls. I'm still on the base level because my best set of Nordic curls ever was three. I failed on the fourth rep, so I still have a ways to go before I can hit that standard level, but at least I got my one rep. Everyone should be training their hamstrings in a way that's gonna help them progress so that they can get stronger in the Nordic curl and make sure that their knees are pain-free and their knees are bulletproof. That being said let's give a quick review over all these exercises my favorite exercises for building strength in wrestling and jujitsu first one's going to be the Zercher box squat followed by the floor press sumo deadlift and z press and then the bent over row those are my barbell exercises of choice now the two hybrid exercises we talked about the bulgarian split squat and the cossack squat those are both great and then we have our three body weight exercises the pull-up the dip and the Nordic curl. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Strength Matrix podcast. If you guys are down for the cause and you guys wanna start getting stronger so you can win more matches and get injured less, I highly suggest you download the free four-week strength program we have prepared for you at thestrengthmatrix.com. If you guys are interested in that free four-week strength program, you guys can click the link in the description below of this podcast and we'd love to send that over to you for free. My name is Josh Sutledge. I am the BGJ Strength Coach. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Joshua Settledge and I'll catch you guys later. Peace.